Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. The title of my message this morning is Emmanuel is not just for Christmas. Emmanuel is not just for Christmas. And Emmanuel is a term or a, a word that we often hear at Christmas. In fact, we only ever hear it at Christmas. We, we sing it in Christmas carols like Heart the Herald Angels and O Little Town of Bethlehem. And we see it on Christmas cards. But Emmanuel is not, in my opinion, a word just for Christmas. But we associate it with Christmas. But Emmanuel means God is with us. God is with us. And it's one of the Hebrew names of God. And it first appears in Isaiah chapter 7 when there's this discourse and this conversation about God. Uh, the, the prophet is reaching out to God and he's saying, well, we, we need protection. We know the house of David needs to be looked after. And God almost says in verse 14, chapter 7, he says, all right then, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and, he will, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then in Matthew, at the start of the Christmas story in chapter 1, uh, Matthew quotes this prophecy and um, it is the fulfilment of scripture that Jesus himself comes. And we read this in Matthew when he, he, he says it again. He says, all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then Joseph woke up and he did as the angel commanded and he took Mary as his wife. And God is with us. He is with us. Whether you feel that or not this morning, God is with you. The prophecy of Isaiah declares the coming of Christ, that he would be with the children of Israel and set his people free. And however, at the time, the people of Israel, they interpreted that as freedom from tyranny. You know, they were under the oppression of the Roman Empire. But and they probably got that from the fact that Moses talked about setting his people free. Free, you know, Moses set them free from Egypt, but they were free in their, they were free in themselves, but they were still under the law. They were still trapped by the law of sin and death. But this child that was born in Bethlehem, he came to be with us, to set us free. And God has always been with his people. But in Jesus, there is freedom from the law of sin and death. The promise of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And if we believe all that we've preached over the last year about God knowing us, knowing the plans for us, that he knew us before the foundations of the earth, that he's seen us in the dark place before we were born, then he's always been with us. God is with us. And it's the fulfilment of a promise that there's a personal relationship with Jesus to be had because he came to earth, he died, and then he rose from the grave. And God wants to have an association with us this morning. People love to be associated with something, don't they? Or something. For some people it's a country. For some people it's a brand. For some people it's a car. For some people it's a celebrity. For some people it's their work, their job. It's something that they want to be identified in. Some people associate themselves with a problem or a situation in their lives or a lifestyle that they find themselves in and it starts to dominate their life and literally take over. I like to associate myself with certain brands. 
I like Volvos. I like Canada. I would prefer brands like Panasonic or Apple or Marks and Spencers, which also stands for Mandy and Stephen. And, and if I was to purchase something, I would sort out those brands. I would stay up late and watch snooker, even though it's a sport that you don't have to change your shoes for. And I enjoy my work, but I certainly don't love it. However, if any of those things become my focus, and I feel that I must attain to those associations at the cost of the things of God, or I pursue them more importantly than I would pursue Christ, then it's a problem. It's not wrong to have a preference, but when it takes over, it becomes a problem. It becomes a God before him. And it's easy to spot people who have that sort of association with something because it becomes the, fo it becomes the focus of their conversation. And whilst they don't notice it, others do. Matthew, in Matthew 12, 34, it says in the King James Version, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I was with someone last week and he was obsessed about his car. That's all he ever talked about for the whole three hours we were there. And God wants to have an association with us, but he wants it to be with him. He wants him to be the focus of our conversation, him to be the focus of our life. Because God is with us and he can be with you. So what does it mean to be with somebody? I was, uh, I looked around the room and there are some older people here. But do you remember there was an advert back in the 70s and they used to say, there was like a lady got on a bus and she said, are you with the bus tour? And everybody shouts, no, we're with the Woolwich. Remember that? Yep, remember that. But it's more than that. And how does an association with Christ look? And I found that there are three things which are highlight what an association with Christ looks like. The first one is access. The second one is safety and security. And the third one is you really know them. And I just thought I'd demonstrate some practical aspects of those things and then turn them around into how it is with God. In my work, I've, I've had a chance to visit some very interesting places. And I've gone to places that members of the public wouldn't normally go. I've been to places like nuclear weapons establishments, parts of the London underground, police control rooms, manufacturing plants like cars and train production. I've been to chicken stuffing places where they pluck and stuff chickens. <laughs> that, was, that was a bit grim. I've been to, I've been to prison. I've come out. I did come out the same day. I've been to prison. But I suppose the most exciting place that I've ever been to was number 10 Downing Street. And I, to cut a very long story short, I thought it was a bit of a wind-up when I got the phone call, but I was invited to go down there and talk to them about some furniture that they wanted. And um, I assumed that I would go to Whitehall, where all the offices are. But one very cold September day, I found myself knocking on the big black plastic door. <laughs> and uh, I went in and uh, I went through various security checks. And I became a frequent visitor there and I would drop off samples and quotations and I would meet my contact there. And he gave me an open invitation. He said, if you're ever passing, Steve, pop in and have a cuppa. <laughs> but once I was there, after going many times, and um, he always had to be with me. He couldn't leave me on my own. 
And one time he, he stepped out of a room to talk to somebody and he left me in the room and I was confronted by a security guard. And it was quite scary. And he wanted to know why I was here, who I was with, what are you doing in this room on your own? And before I could say anything, I heard a voice say, he's with me. He's with me. And all of a sudden, that fear, the redness in my face, all disappeared because I had the right to be there. I wasn't trespassing. (laughs) And it reminds me of the scripture in Ephesians 3.12 where it says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can come boldly and confidently into his presence. We're not trespassing. You know, sometimes we come to God like, oh, I'm your humble, snivelling servant. That's not how God sees us. God says this morning, come in, be with me, because you are with me. I once visited the, um, the nuclear weapons establishment at Oldermaston, and I went there with a distributor of mine, and he informed me that it was a very, very strict procedure. And we had to watch a 30-minute video before we entered the site. And when we were in the site, we had to walk in single file. So the host was at the front, then there was me, then there was my distributor, and then there was another host behind us, like as our escort. And the distributor told me before we got there, he said, under no circumstances are you to ask questions about their work and what they actually do there. (laughs) And as we walked around in single file, we visited offices and they literally turned pieces of paper over as we walked into some of the offices. And as we walked around, I started to chat with the host, and he was very friendly. And my distributor took there, he started to get really anxious, because he could see that I was making a connection with this guy. But I had to ask. And I said, so, do you have any nuclear weapons here? (laughs) And he responded, yes, we do. Would you like to see one? (laughs) And he took us to this large hangar and in this hangar was the very first Mach 1 nuclear torpedo and I got to put my hand on it. That was the nearest I got to pressing the button. (laughs) But you see we mustn't and the thing is this morning we have to ask. We have to ask because if we ask God he will grant us what we're asking for but I'll come on to that. But we mustn't see God as some headmaster with a big stick, who wants to intimidate us. Yes, he is the Lord of heaven. Yes, we're called to fear him. But he is a loving father whose heart is towards us because he's with us. We're safe and secure with God. Safety means that we're free from harm or risk. We're unhurt, we're secure. There's no threat or danger or harm or loss. And when we're secure, we're fixed or we're fastened so that we do not give way. We're unable to become loose or get lost. Of all the people that I know in the world, the safest and most secure person I I feel secure with is Mandy. That isn't because she's bigger or stronger than me. She isn't a superhero, although she is in my eyes. That's enough of that. But it's because I can share my life with her for 35 years without any fear of betrayal or violence, which comes in many forms. She, <laughs> not that I've ever seen that. She only wants the best for me. 
She wants to see me succeed, to be happy and to be at peace. Does that sound familiar? And it's interesting that the Bible actually says that marriage is a representation of our lives with Christ. That also sounds familiar. I can be myself. And the hand of God this morning is towards many of us. And it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how you see yourself. It's how God sees you because his hand is towards you. Feel safe with God this morning. I have three granddaughters coming for Christmas and a lot of things in our house this week have moved to higher places. And God literally wants to put some of us on a top shelf this morning. He wants to put you out of harm's way. He wants to free us from risk and harm, to free us from being hurt, free us from, give us security against any danger that may come into our lives. You know, I appreciate that sometimes bad things happen, but God is always good. And for myself, bad things happen to me because I've probably put myself in the wrong situation. But that's another preach. And he wants us to be secure this morning. So we're fixed. We don't give way. We don't become loose or lost. And one of the questions I want to ask this morning is, are we fixed to this church? In Matthew 7, it talks about him who listens to my teaching and follows is wise. He's like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents of water and floods rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it's on a bedrock. And I have to ask the question, are we fixed to the bedrock this morning? Are we fixed to the church of God? I can share my life with God. I can share my life with him without any fear of betrayal or being let down because he only wants the best for me. He only wants me to succeed and be at a happy place. He wants to be with me because I'm with him. Have you ever stopped to ask the question, well, what does God really think about me? What does he say about me? What has he done for me? Well, I'm going to read you the whole Bible in about 60 seconds. This is what the God says about me in his word. He is the creator and we are his creation. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, Genesis 2.7. He created us in his own image, Genesis 1.27. His eyes saw our unformed substance, Matthew 139.16, and he knit us together in our mother's womb, Psalm 139, verse 13. He knows the plant, he knows the number of hairs on our head. And before a word is on our tongue, he knows it. Matthew 10 and Psalm 139. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 verse 14. We are more valuable than many sparrows. Matthew 10 verse 31. He has given us dominion over all the beasts of the fields and all the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. Psalm 8 and Genesis 1. He has crowned us with glory and honour as a pinnacle and final act of the six days of creation. Matthew, um, that's in Genesis 1. However, from the very beginning... We exchanged the truth about him for a lie. We worshipped and served creative things rather than him, Romans 1. And we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3. And just as, it, as, and just as he said to Adam and Eve, the penalty for sin is death, Romans 6. And in our sin we were spiritually dead, Ephesians 2. And we were children of wrath living as enemies of him, Ephesians 2 and Romans 5. And we have turned aside from him. We became corrupt and none of us did anything, not even one that was anything that was righteous, Psalm 14. And we deserved his righteous judgment, Psalm 7. 
And yet in his great love, he gave his unique son that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And while we were still hostile towards him, we were reconciled to him by death of his son. Romans 5. Sin doesn't have the last word in our lives. Grace does. Romans 5. And now everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Romans 10. And we, have, we who have believed have been born again. 1 Peter 1. And, we've, and he has adopted us. Ephesians 1 5. And we are children, heirs of God. 1 John 5 3. We are no longer orphans. We belong to him. John 14 and 1 Corinthians 6. And he loved us as a perfect father. 1 John 3. How quick was that? Feel safe this morning because God loves you and he is with you and we are with him. The third thing is we really get to know him. We really get to know him when we, when we have that relationship with him. I have a confession to make this morning and I want you to be, don't, don't be too hard on me, but I love the pop group ABBA. When I was a teenager, I collected all their albums, I collected all their books, I collected all their videos, I was even a member of the fan club. <laughs> I can name all their tracks, I can name all their number ones, I can tell you what position in the charts they all got to, both here and abroad. I, before CD, I collected all the, all the back catalogue, all the rare recordings. I know hundreds of facts about the pop group ABBA. I know their dislikes, I know their likes, I know their birthdays, I know the cars they prefer, and so on. It would be my chosen subject on Mastermind. <laughs> but I've never met them. I know all about them, but I don't know them. I haven't spent time with them. I don't understand their characteristics, their quips. I can't say... They're even my friends or my acquaintances. If they walk past me in the street, they wouldn't say, oh, hi, Steve, you're one of our biggest fans. But God does. God does. He knows everything about me. In Isaiah 49, it says that his name, my name is written on his hand. I was going to write my name on my hand this morning, but my mother told me never to do that. But his your name is written on, his, on your hand. I remember many years ago, I, I got in a really dark place, and I remember somebody told me, write your name on your hand. And I used to look at it, and I used to think, that's how God sees me. He's got his name. Margaret, your name is on God's hand. He looks at his hand, and he sees your name. That's incredible. God knows us. And yet, however great a relationship is it has to be two-way it has to be two-way and Jesus said this in John 15 he says I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father told me it's not enough to know that God knows you we need to get to know him in John 10 it says my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anybody else. 
No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So the question this morning is, do we really know God this morning? And the answer to that question is easy, no. I don't really know God this morning. But the question to myself and everyone is, are we doing everything we can to get to know him? At a recent prayer meeting, uh, we had a prayer meeting recently, and it was um, to the wider leaders in the church. And God led me to read a scripture. And as God, as I read this scripture, God spoke to me. And um, this is really all I want to say to you this morning. Because I believe in closing that this is a word to the church, both corporately and individually. And it was from Matthew 7. If everyone's got Bibles, please turn to Matthew 7, verse 7. And it was a really strange thing for me because as I, I felt God draw me to this scripture, but I didn't know what I was going to say. And God literally spoke to me as, as I was reading it. And in Matthew 7, verse 7 to verse 8, it says this, Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives... And everyone who seeks finds, and anyone who knocks, the door will be opened. We can ask God for so much, and there is nothing wrong in asking God for things. But in our asking, there needs to be seeking. And in our seeking, there needs to be knocking. I don't believe that these these three activities are in isolation. I don't believe there are seekers and there are askers, and there are people who knock. I believe that all three come as a package. And God wants us to be askers and seekers and knockers at every opportunity to know the Emmanuel, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. If we want to see growth in the church, if we want to see revival in this town, a building... Healings, a haven of health, provision in every area, and for ourselves, growth in our personal life, peace, health, a positive family life, a real sense of security and feeling safe. We have to be those who are asking and seeking and knocking, pushing doors. Because God wants us to receive, he wants us to ask, he wants us to find, he wants to open doors to us. And I have to ask myself these questions. I have to ask myself these questions every day. Um, what am I asking God? Am I asking God for things? Am I praying regularly? Am I speaking to Him? Am I seeking Him? Am I spending time in His Word, getting to know Him? It's interesting. I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they said, "Well, when you read the Word of God, you get to know about God, but you don't know Him." Well, I have, to, I have to challenge that because it's the word of God. It isn't about reading a book about Donald Trump. It's the word of God. So we get to know about God, but we get to know him because it's the word of God. Do we, that's right. Exactly right. Because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit expands the scriptures to us. Are we spending time with others, being together, seeing Jesus in one another? Are we knocking? Are we involved in every opportunity to serve him, 
reaching out to the body and those outside the body. And then God led me to three more scriptures. And the first one is Matthew 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is not just about the Beatitudes, because it goes on from chapter 5 to chapter 7, verse 28. And in chapter 7, verse 28, it says this, And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. And the word of the Lord to us this morning is, is that we're going to hear the word of God coming in the, in, the, in the next few days, in the next few weeks and months, that is going to amaze people. It's going to astound people. And these words are not necessarily going to come from the front. They're going to come from the body of Christ. And people are going to be amazed. There are words that are going to break down strongholds and they're going to open doors. The second scripture was the woman at the well, which is, we find in John 4. And there isn't time to go into the whole story, but this lady met Jesus and he, ex- she ex- he explained everything to her. He said, I am the Messiah. And he said, well, go and fetch your husband. And she says, I haven't got a husband. And he gave this word, a word that opened up a situation. And she went into the town and she said, come and meet a man who's told me everything about my life. And there's a verse that just struck me, and it said, so the people came streaming from the village to see. And the word of God is going to cause people to stream into this church. Now, I know some of you are struggling with that statement, but God's word is true, and God's word is powerful, and God's word changes everything completely. It's time for us to seek him. And the last scripture that God led me to was in Matthew 9, 32, where a demon-possessed man was brought before Jesus who couldn't speak. And Jesus cast out the demon and the man began to speak and the crowds were amazed and they said this, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel before. Nothing like this has ever happened in Market Harbour before. And that that struck me more than anything. Nothing like this has ever happened in Market Harbour before. And we're going to hear people say that. I know some of you are struggling with this, but we're going to hear people say, nothing like this has ever happened in Market Harbour before. Because God is going to move in this town by his word coming, by people coming to us, and by miracle, sign, and wonder. Folk will be amazed, they will be astounded, they will marvel. These are all words from the Word of God. But it has to start with us. It has to start with us. And this morning it's time for us to make a sober assessment, a sober assessment of where we are. Is God, is Jesus, is church a Sunday thing in my life, or is it... A thing in my life where I'm asking, seeking, I'm knocking. Because if it's not, we can never expect to see the kingdom of God, not only established in our life, but in this town. But I don't believe that's the will of God for us. And this morning, <clears throat> I just felt, I spoke to Phil when I got here, and, but I, I just feel I want to pray for everybody in the room. I'd like to pray for everybody in the room. I'd like 
Phil and Benj to join me. And we're not going to pray a lengthy prayer for everybody. I just feel by the Spirit of God that we're, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to say one word, and it's this. Receive. Receive. And whatever you want to receive from God, in faith you're going to receive that. And I just want to say to Phil and Benj, I want to be really clear, that's all I want you to say. Receive. Receive. So let's just stand in his presence. Let's just quiet ourselves before God. Let's push out all the things that are cluttering our mind. Let's just focus on him. And God's saying to us this morning, what do you want to receive? What do you want to really see? What do you really see in your own heart doing in the body, in your own life? The the dream that you have in your life, the thing that you look at in your life and think, that would be so good, but I can't do that. And God says to us this morning, you can receive that because he wants to build his church. And you may want to raise your hands. You may want to be in a, in a position or an attitude to receive. But God is going to bring something to your life this morning. God is going to impart something into your body this morning that is going to cause you to grow in a way that you've never grown before. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.